Coming up on today's show, PlayStation addresses the party and voice changes, Phil Spencer speaks out about Bethesda, and Bungie details some Destiny 2 fixes. What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast live at twitch.tv slash what's good games, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. And special guest Chelsea Blasco is here. Hello. <laughs> what's good, Chelsea? Ah, oh, it's just Monday. I'm just really excited to be here and chat with you guys. Yay. Well, we are excited that you are here as well. <laughs> For everybody who doesn't know, Chelsea is the co-CEO of Iron Galaxy Studios. You may know some of their more popular titles like Dive Kick. I always bring up Dive Kick. I loved it. Dive Kick. I loved it. I really I'm do. waiting for Dive Kick 2. What's happening, Chelsea? Well, Where is it? it? You know, it's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> I just keep trying to get one of the two-button controllers out of storage and sent to my house. And so, Ken, if you're listening, I'm still waiting for that. Please, send me one. <laughs> I thought that there was only like a very small amount of those custom controllers made because I it was actually the first time I had ever met the founder of the studio, Dave Lang, who was at a PlayStation Judges Week press event showcasing Dive Kick right when the PS4 was about to be released. That's how long ago that was. <laughs> And he was like, this is a custom fight stick. And I was like, so there's just two buttons? Blue and, and yellow. Like, yeah. And I was like, okay. You could get out I so much aggression, though, just slapping. <laughs> I did a lot of the demos at, um, at E3. And so just slapping that all day, by the end of the day, your hands hurt. Cause, but you felt great because you were like, ah, ah, just, yeah. I got my <laughs> guinea pigs to play it. I, I loved the two-button controller experience. Wait, did you just say you I had your guinea pigs play it? My guinea pigs played it. Yep. They could do I, it. They could play it on the Vita. Very guinea pig friendly. Like the furry animal guinea pigs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I brought them on our stream once. You just worked, mentioned that yes. so nonchalantly. I was like, hold on. Let's you know. take a step back here. Okay. That's <laughs> fucking incredible. That's a first. Oh, but yeah, I love it. That's amazing. I, I feel it. like I have to go search for that stream footage now to watch the guinea pigs play. And for people who are confused, Dive Kick was a 2D fighting game where you literally could dive and you could kick and that was all you could do in the game thus the specialty two button fight stick it's all you need yeah exactly mm -hmm. one hit what you killed boom done boom exactly there were special well moves, the game though you know? <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you there. The, the challenges of doing um, interviews over, over the internet. Um, but I did want to mention to people, the fighting game that you may know Iron Galaxy for is, of course, Killer Instinct. And, but you guys work on a ton of other games, which we're going to get to in just a little bit. But for people who maybe don't have any insight, I would love to hear a little bit about your journey to become co-CEO. So this is a relatively new title for you because previously Chelsea was the chief operating officer. And there are just so few women who are in the C-suite in the video games 
industry that I think it's worth highlighting just how awesome it is that you're now co-CEO. Well, thank yeah, you. you badass. I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you. Uh, for me, it's just kind of a letter swap. You know, you just take that O and then you put an E in there and that's what happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, when we first became partners, I've been with Iron Galaxy for 10 years. It'll be 10 years and Dave will get on me if I mess that up. But 10 years, the very beginning of November. Um, and uh, I started off as a senior producer and I was running a lot of the titles. I was kind of a game director. And I started just taking over all of the day-to-day business and HR and operational stuff that can fall to the wayside when you're just trying to get the products out. And Dave started doing all the biz dev. So when we became partners, when Adam Boys came on about four years ago, I was chief product officer because it most reflected I was really in charge of all of the games and the titles. And then I was like, okay, I'm also doing all this operational stuff and running facilities. And um, so then the switch to COO. And then now Adam and I are like Wonder Twins Unite. Let's go forward, (laughs) co-CEO style. I love it. I think that's great. Um, I wish that we could celebrate in person. Congrats on 10 years, Thank by the way. You. That's amazing as well. Um, and I can't wait to, to dive more into hearing about what you guys are working on and, and what you guys are up to. But we do have a couple of quick announcements before we jump into the news for everybody. So Lights Off has been going, of course. That is our Halloween-inspired spooky streams every Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Britt and I have been having... Uh, um, was fun the word, Brit? Yeah, we you know, I, I feel like it's a bonding experience. You don't quite bond with someone until you almost die alongside them many times. And I feel like, and well, let's be fair, Andrea has died many times alongside me. I have yet to die alongside her. I'm talking specifically about phasmophobia. They love you, <sighs> yeah, girl. I feel like it's un, it's off balance, unbalanced. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbalanced. They just want to kill you. But yeah, I feel like, you know, we've bonded. We've become so much closer due to this experience. And I think with that just innately comes fun. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we've been playing spooky games, Chelsea, and the one that we played, as Britt mentioned, was Phasmophobia. Cool. And I decided to be proactive and do a training session with Zombie Kills in advance of our Dead by Daylight stream, which is going to be next Monday. And boy, oh boy, that game is 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 something else. If you think that we've been scared already, it's it's like turn 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 up the intensity of, really? of the scares. Oh, that's, yeah. see, that's surprising. Okay, cool. Great. I think it's because wow. it, it's a lot more active and there's somebody chasing you actively okay. trying to kill you oh, that's fuck. controlled by another human versus just like an AI. And I think that's really what it is. Because it takes like that fear that you get from mm. playing something like Friday the 13th, but like it's much more intense. Cool. Because the map is smaller. And so you don't really have a lot of places to hide. <laughs> I still think Sneak King's one of the scariest games ever. Wait, Sneak King? <laughs> remember the burger king game it's like this. oh yeah he's got a it's just oh. <sighs> a lot of breathing it's oh my like, god oh my i god. forgot about that you're right yeah. that's like top five it terrifies me <gasps> oh my gosh oh wait john drake is in the chat chelsea does this mean i can email you if adam doesn't respond to my emails <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh not home prank Ooh, caller call, prank call caller out, call out. <laughs> oh my goodness we're just gonna let that we're just gonna let that one lie um Brittany this Friday is kind of a momentous occasion for us here at what's good games it's episode two freaking hundred 
200 how i don't know but time is the thing that keeps coming along and with that more podcast episodes so apparently we're up to episode 200 we haven't talked too much about what we're going to be doing yet but stay tuned it'll be a celebration steimer will probably be eating candy corn (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's gonna be fun it'll be a good time um, I'm very excited sometimes I look back at all of our archives and I'm like oh yeah I've got terabytes worth of episodes oh my <laughs> god with all of these things um, but we're super excited about it and thank everybody for supporting us since we launched back in May of 2017 getting to episode 200 has been a journey and we've loved it and it's been super fun so we're gonna be you know going over some memories and Doing some fun stuff, so it should be good. And then this Saturday, we are going to be doing our Patreon exclusive streams, which will be happening time TBD. We haven't quite nailed down the time, so keep an eye on our Twitter account and, of course, the Patreon page uh, for those. But we did we convince Timer to play something scary for that? Yeah, yeah. You were you baited her with an ice cream cake, and we could play Phasmophobia. Oh, yes. Yeah. Now I just need to buy the cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the cake. We'll be playing Phasmophobia. This might be your only opportunity to watch Steimer play a scary game other than like Lights Off that happened a couple years ago. I did get her to commit to playing Dead by Daylight with us. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. You worked your magic. Well done. That's right. Well it done. helps that that game is cross-play. <laughs> well, great. That'll be a pants shit and good time. That's a lot that's to clean a, up. That's definitely a way to describe it. Um, so without further ado, how about we get into the news? The first story is actually something that broke last week. It broke on Thursday, so we weren't able to get it into the show. But we did want to, of course, mention it since there's been an update since PlayStation announced the new features and, of course, debuted the UI video that you guys saw. So this story comes from the PlayStation blog, um, which was written by the head of global consumer experience, Catherine Jensen, who writes that the sole purpose of the voice chat reporting function, the thing that everybody is very up in arms about, including myself, um, is to help reporting the inappropriate behavior that happens on the platform, including actions that violate the community code of conduct. Now, please note this feature will not actively monitor or listen in on your conversations. It's strictly reserved for reporting online abuse and harassment. So they say. We should have more clearly explained why this function was being rolled out, along with details on how it will work on the PS5 console. So let me walk you through that now. (laughs) Once the PS5 console launches, if a PS5 player needs to file a harassment report, they will be able to include up to a 40-second long voice chat clip in their report. 20 seconds of the main conversation with the other player, plus an additional 10 seconds before and after the selection. But only the most recent five minutes of a voice chat will be available for a player for this reporting function. So Mm. the reason why we wanted to bring that up, because this was something that I was very concerned about. Obviously, the idea of anybody recording voices in what we thought were private chats you know, it's a big privacy concern. I think it's worth mentioning that five minute part because it, essentially what it should tell people is, yo, if you have a problem with someone, you have to act quickly to report them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've only got the last five minutes, so don't hesitate. But uh, then it should just be getting erased every five minutes too. So you don't have to worry then about them listening. Yeah, that was kind of what my thought was, Uh like the good the good part about this is that, you know, well, I guess at least they're not going to be like hanging on to like a bunch of different voice recordings. But at the same time, it's like, well, the way that they've changed party chats is that you essentially they've made it like Discord DMs where you have to add people in and people can't just join 
a Discord DM. So when Steimer and I were playing Ghost of Tsushima's Legends mode this weekend, we were trying to get a party together, and I noticed that there is no option to make a party private anymore. And so I was like, hmm, hmm. that's weird, because generally I like to do that so some of my friends who are online don't just party bomb because we we all know who that person is in our friends list they just like <laughs> jump on in they're like hey guys what you doing <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can't do that now because you have to be in an established group and then once you're in the group you can move in and out of the group how do you feel about these changes chelsea you know what i rarely play online uh i play a, a lot more single player games because i don't want to talk to <laughs> I feel awful. I don't want to talk <laughs> no, to You're speaking online. my language. It's fine. It's, I get you. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't even go online on Animal Crossing to another. I've gone to one other person's island, not in a dream. So I am not the uh, the usual use case for this. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm but with What you. do you think? No, I'm, I mean, you know me, Andrea. I don't like playing games with you unless it's for, like, lights off. And same with, same with Cyber. <laughs> No, I'm just being an asshole, but I'm I'm with you, Chelsea, in the sense that I don't play um, a lot of online games with a lot of people. I like to usually keep that keep that experience to myself, or maybe I'll play something with my husband from time to time. Uh, but you know, like I, I I understand why people are like, "This is stupid. Why are you recording my voice? I don't want you to be listening to me." Ha <laughs> ha. But at the same time, I'm thinking, well, what would I say that would make me feel so upset about it? Like, you know, I'm not like gonna. I don't know. I guess that's just the way I look at it. It's like. It, if you want to record our conversations, cool, but I know I'm not going to be the one saying some terrible, awful shit that's going to get me in a lot of trouble. So whatever. You do you. But, you know, I guess, you know, you're just, people don't like it when they're being listened to by every device in their house because that's the world we live in these days. You know, things are just always listening. But you know, maybe, and I think the point that Steimer brought up um, on the show last week was a good one, was that this could really help uh children in particular, you know, who might not really understand what an online predator is, who might meet this awesome person who seems awesome in a game like Fortnite, and then they get added to their little groups or party or however it works now, and then maybe something creepy happens. But I guess the problem with that, now retracting what I just said, is if you can only record the most recent five minutes, would that child even know, like, okay, that was a bad thing that person just said, I should report that? Hmm. There's no way. Probably not. There's no, There's way. no way. Yeah. Because they're groomers. You know, I think right. the kid has to be really sophisticated to be able to recognize it. Um, and that's why the, the predators can be successful. So I don't know if it's totally solving that. I think it's more, um, you know, some of the other outlandish things that occasionally get said um, that people can then report. Yeah. You so think, I again, hope like it we, helps with that. Like we said, this would affect more of the in-game chat stuff. But, you know, I guess it's a step. Yeah, exactly. But they did make another response the following day. They tweeted, hey, folks, just want to let you know we're looking into your feedback on the recent changes to parties on PS4. Thanks for speaking up. We'll keep you posted. And by feedback, I think <laughs> what PlayStation is referring to there is the very angry multiple threads on Reddit of gamers rising up with their pitchforks being like, why did you break this? Why did you do this? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to it's say the changing. least. It's mm changing. -hmm. I went on yeah. the PlayStation Twitter account to, you know, we'll pull this screen grab. But also, I feel like they're being much more personable on their Twitter lately. I don't know if you've given it a good scroll through. I feel like they're trying to adopt, like, a personality for once. They're like, let's interact with our community. <laughs> Which has been interesting. I mean, new console launch makes sense. 
Do you think that they're trying to compete with the very social media savvy team over at Xbox that's been coming in with the hot memes? You know, I think they're seeing what works really well. And I think, yeah, I mean, we, it's true, though, right? You think about what the personality Xbox has online and the relationship it has with its fans. It feels much more close and intimate. And then you kind of think it's PlayStation as this like untouchable big corporation and they're like locked, steely, huge gray building, like, you know, surrounded by guard dogs and gates and blah, blah, blah. And you can't really access that. That, but whereas Xbox is like the cozy little cottage in the field of flowers and butterflies. So, wow, that was really weird. But I think you got my point. At least I hope you got my point. <laughs> I, I, I liked it. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're seeing it works. And hey, I think that's good. You're a person. Do it. Speaking of Xbox. Brittany, take it away. <laughs> Xbox, Phil Spencer and Series X launch Halo Infinite and Bethesda via Kotaku. So Stephen Totillo, did I say his last name correct? Totillo. Totillo did a very, very extensive interview with Phil Spencer. And I just took out the part of it that made all the headlines last week. But um, I want to talk more about the full article in a second. So this is just the clip of that article that everyone was talking about, especially Danny Pena and Andrea about their little bet they had going on. All right. Quote. Fans have wondered whether ZeniMax games would go to Xbox and PC only. In other words, they've wondered if PlayStation would stop getting fallouts and miss out on the sequel to Skyrim. I wondered that too. Quote, is it possible to recoup a $7.5 billion investment if you don't sell Elder Scrolls 6 on the PlayStation? Steven asked Phil Spencer. Yes, Phil Spencer quickly replied. Then Phil Spencer paused. And then he continued, I don't want to be flip about that. This deal was not done to take games away from other play- from another player base like that. Nowhere in the documentation that we put together was, how do we keep other players from playing these games? We want more people to be able to play games, not fewer people to be able to play games. But I'll also say in the model, I'm just answering directly the question that you had. When I think about where people are going to be playing in the number of devices that we had, and we have xCloud and PC and Game Pass and our console base, I don't have to go ship those games on any other platform other than the platforms that we support in order to kind of make the deal work for us, whatever that means, period. That is a non-answer, internet. A lot of people were up in my mentions being like, look at Andrea lost the bet. And I was like, first off, there was no mention of Starfield, which is what our bet is about. So (laughs) just going to leave that right where it's at. But also, he very clearly says, we want more people to be able to play games, not fewer people to be able to go play games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we're never going to know until these games are close to launch and then we're going to get the deets and then that's it. Until then, it's just going to be a whole bunch of speculation. Chelsea, what do you think about this? Yeah, I I have no idea either. I have no idea what they're going to do, how they launch the games. But I really hope that, you know, all the players who want to get to enjoy the titles when they come out. Um, I agree that, yeah, there's not a lot of specifics in the answer so who knows i would love to hear from you chelsea as somebody who's been part of a studio that did make exclusive titles for platforms and is obviously has also yeah. made multi-platform games as well do you guys as a studio kind of lean one way or another or do you just kind of go where the client wants you to go It's more going where the client wants us to go and where we think it can be the best experience. Or when we worked with Xbox a lot, like making Reketeer, that was all about exploiting the new hardware when that came out, the Kinect, obviously. Reketeer was amazing. Um, (laughs) But we haven't really thought 
about oh, we really want to target one console or another. It's more just about whatever makes sense at the time. When you guys go to create an individual title, like a unique new IP just for Iron Galaxy, do you tend to lean to one platform or another? Like what are some of the challenges going single platform versus multi-platform? Well, I think like anyone who makes an IP, you want to get the game out to as many players as possible. Um, so that's the challenge of if you're just on one platform. Obviously, it limits the audience in some way. Um, but so generally speaking, we've tried to release on multiple platforms whenever we could. Maybe you're exclusive for a while on one platform, and then eventually you can come out on another. Um, but it 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 kind of just it, it depends on the content and um, depends on what we're what we're doing. Uh, we we love having good relationships with all of the first party platforms. Is there an inherent cost? No, I'm, not, I'm obviously yeah. not trying to make you pick no, sides because sure. we yeah. obviously love all the platforms sure. here at What's Good Games as well. But I think some of, one of the things we talk about on the show a lot is that consumers of games frequently underestimate the extensive cost that is required to go multi-platform. Is there any way you can kind of like ballpark an estimate if you were going to make a game that was for all three consoles versus one, like how much extra that would cost you guys in production? Sure. Yeah, I I think it's good. Well, one to go back a little bit, like it's good to know what consoles you're targeting early on so that you can make a plan to... Um, you can make a plan to get it out and get it to be the best experience possible, make the game optimized for all of the consoles. Um, but I, I think it's really changed over time where when I started almost uh, all the time, things were developed on PC first and then it, it migrated to console or there that the console development kind of lagged and it, I see it done every direction now. So really you just have to have kind of what is your strategy um, what are you trying to get? What what consoles are you targeting? And then each one, I mean, it really depends on where you start. It really depends what console you start with because sometimes you're either optimizing or you're trying to up-res your assets. And then if you throw mobile in there, that's obviously another good chunk of months to work on um, to get to make sure that you have all your content optimized and change your UI over uh, and make sure you really optimize the player experience, controls and everything. So yeah, it's just when the controls change, when you have to adjust for the UI, when you have to adjust for optimization and what the hardware can handle, you have to take all those things into consideration and they all take some time and have some trade-offs um, that you have to make. So would you say it's like three times or is it like, does it just like double for every platform you add or not is quite, that? Not quite double, not quite double. Um, I, I would say, you know, if you start off making something for PlayStation and Xbox and then you bring it over to Switch, you know, that can be about a third more time because you really are touching all of the assets and thinking about how to how to use how to really use the switch as a different type of device that you can either sit and play or you can use it undocked and you think about how to optimize for controls and things so maybe a third 
a third more time. It's not like each one is an additional full dev cycle, um, but it also depends on how much advantage of the different features that are particular to any of the consoles that you want to take advantage of. Sometimes you may just decide you want it to be the same experience everywhere. That can have its own challenges. Sometimes you just really want to make sure that you're adding new features, new content that are specific to the consoles. So it really just depends on what, what are your goals with your product. Fascinating. Yeah, I know, I would, right? I would love to see like the line item cost specifically to use like the light bar or like the touchpad. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it, it is kind of crazy. Um, and then it, it also depends on if you're developing something from scratch or if you're bringing an existing title and then what was that existing title? What was it coded in before? What engine was it in before? How does that translate? How are the specs similar or different to whatever the generation is now? So can can you take advantage of that? Or is it a bigger challenge? I mean, it's there are a lot of variables. We have a lot of spreadsheets, and a <laughs> lot of planning that goes into this. Um, but yeah. <laughs> So Thank are you, you confirming that. that game dev is hard? <laughs> game Can you dev? confirm this long rumor? I've been doing this for 15 years. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it is hard. It is hard. <laughs> um, you know, I think even some people in game dev think that there's like an art button. You just hit it and like suddenly all the art is optimized and all your LOD is spit out and it's beautiful. And you never have to touch it again. And um, that's just not true. Just not true. People do a lot of work on these titles. How do games even get made? You know? Oh. How does it go from nothing to something? It's magic. Crying. No, I'm <laughs> It's years of game developers. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> I do want to give two chat shout outs. I see one AM boys saying Chelsea's my favorite co CEO ever. Oh. Hi, Adam. Um, and I see all that juice says, hire me. I can help with the art stuff. And I'm glad you brought that up, all that juice, because Iron Galaxy is hiring we right now. We certainly correct? are. Yes, we have hired about 40 people since March, which I am really proud of and feel is actually kind of crazy. All onboarded remotely since the beginning of COVID. Um, and we are hiring people for really almost every in every different discipline right now. So please check out our job boards. We are excited to have you. Boom. There Hashtag you game jobs, everybody. Um, we do have a couple more news stories to get to, but I do want to keep chatting with you because I find this stuff super fascinating. And whenever I get to see you, you and I like rarely get to like kind of talk shop a it's lot. True. We're always like true. chatting about other stuff. But <laughs> um, the next story that we quickly want to um, mention in case you guys missed it, is the addition of Aiden Pierce in the Watchdog campaign. So you saw Rihanna and I's, or hopefully you saw Rihanna and I's preview of Watchdogs Legion, and now Ubisoft has confirmed that the original protagonist of Watchdogs is going to be playable in the main campaign and will also be customizable. So essentially, kind of the you know Cliff's Notes version is that Aiden is going to be treated as another member of the team. They are writing a full single-player story with Aiden's personality, and when you replay the main missions again, Aiden will be integrated into all of the original cinematics. Aiden will also be added alongside three other playable characters, Wrench from Watch Dogs 2, Darcy, an assassin, and Mina, a victim of transhuman experiments who has psychic powers. Ooh. It's not clear <laughs> if the other three will be playable in the main campaign, but... Phil and Nathan. 
Mm. Okay. I don't know how to I don't know how to say that. That is the last name of the, the game's ga- uh, live producer. Le- Lethiashi Thelanthin. Sorry. We apologize because Sorry. consonants are hard. Um, but essentially said that all of them will be playable in both single player and online modes. So um, if you guys are interested in that, you can find out more details over on Ubisoft's website. Um, and then, Brittany, oh, there was a Destiny news. I had to throw it in here because it's been so long since you've talked about Destiny. Chelsea, I don't know if you know, Andrea has this love-hate relationship with Destiny. One moment she loves it, the next moment she... Eh. Anyway... This comes it's true. from Bungie.net. The next generation of Destiny. <laughs> okay. The next generation optimized version of Destiny 2 will launch on December 8th. While things like faster load times and cross-generation play will be available on November 10th, we're taking some time so we're taking some more time on the following enhancements to ensure a smooth experience when playing Destiny 2 on your new devices. And then there's a chart of what optimizations come with the Xbox Series X, the PlayStation 5, and the Xbox Series S. But they had some other notes in there as well. We are offering field of view customization on consoles for the first time. Our goal is to enable an FOV range similar to that on PC. We're currently testing these settings to ensure smooth performance across each platform and we'll have additional details details closer to launch. There will also be noticeable improvements to things like loading the game and inspecting character inventory, Andrea's favorite thing in the world. However, some load times are dependent on networking and matchmaking, so loading activities still takes time when you search for opponents. And for cross-generation play, Xbox Series X and S players can play with Xbox One players, PlayStation 5 players can play with PlayStation 4 players. Andrea, what does this do for you, if anything? Honestly, I'm a little let down that when the new consoles launch, the optimizations aren't going to be there on day one. I personally was very excited about playing Beyond Light on PS5, and now knowing that I can't get those optimizations until December is kind of taking the wind out of my sails just a little bit. Um, But here's the thing. I think a lot of longtime Destiny players like myself are really just looking for the optimized loading because right now when I boot up Destiny 2 on my PlayStation 4, it feels like it takes forever for that game to load in. And so that's going to be great. I do like that they've pretty much matched Series X and PlayStation 5 in regards to frame rate and resolution. They look identical. Mm -hmm. And also they have 60 frames per second available on Series S as well, which I think is great. Well, great. I, you know, I saw the story and again, and I thought of you. And I was like, I gotta check in with my baby girl and see how she's doing on Destiny because it's been a minute. It has been, but I did get in to a raid this weekend with oh. the What's Good Guardians because if you weren't aware and you are playing Destiny, there's several pieces of content that are going to be disappearing into the vault um, when Beyond Light launches, and so you have a finite amount of time to get that stuff done and to get your triumphs, etc. And of course, the Festival of the Lost is happening, so I had never done the prestige run of the Leviathan raid, so we started that, though we didn't finish the final throne room, which I'm going to attempt to do at some point today. How long did the raid take you? Um, well, considering that we hadn't played this with this mechanics, with this group, we did it in three hours, which is pretty long. We normally can do Leviathan in like 45 minutes because we've just done it so many times. Mm-hmm. But with the new mechanics, it took us just a little bit longer than anticipated. Impressive. Thanks. Yeah. Do you like doing raids, Chelsea? No. 
<laughs> you like that involves there we me go working again. with people. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm playing alone by myself. Uh, not that I don't. No, it's maybe a little too harsh, but uh, yeah, I'm mostly just playing, playing by myself, playing by myself. You're like, leave me alone. I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I am talk. You know, I'm talking to people all day long. So you know, I'm uh, yeah. When I game, it's like kind of I'm going to my own little personal quiet time bubble to do my gaming. So. Go your little quiet That's just zone. me, you know. Yeah, yeah. I also, I, um, when I do play games, um, I, I, I think it's a family gene problem, but I really cannot not look crazy. Um, when I demo <laughs> games, when I demo games, that's like a performance. I've got it down. I'm explaining. I'm marketing. Like, that's a different thing. But uh -huh. if I'm playing games, I, I, I'm like, ah! And my mother did the same thing playing Pac-Man with just a joystick and I'm one button. She was like jumping around the house. And um, yeah, my kid does the same thing. Just cannot stand still jumping everywhere while playing games. Devil may cry just like all over the house. So um, we have a problem where we cannot not make crazy faces and jump everywhere when we play games. I love it, though. <laughs> oh, that's so... You know, that reminds me of my dad. Whenever he plays first-person shooters, he finds himself standing up, and if he's, like, trying to walk, he'll, like, be walking sideways with the controller, like, as he's trying to peer around the corner, and he, like, does the thing where he looks yeah. around, and he'll, like, crouch. It's the cutest thing ever. So I'm sure you put on a performance. Have you considered streaming your performance while You know, it, it, it would either... People would either love it, or they would be terrified, frankly. I'm sure. I think I think they would love it. I think yeah. people like ga gamers with personality. I'm in. I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Screaming? Do they like screaming? Mm -hmm. Well, well it depends on the game. <laughs> yes. As we very, find, very true. People love and they derive a lot of pleasure from you being scared shitless. Yeah, I'm talking. Can I scream during like uh, Marvel <laughs> Lego <laughs> or like? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that would sure, fit. Well, sure, but, why not? Yeah. You do I you. Might, I might. I might. I just scream during Defender. going to just do it. It's what I do. <laughs> Love it. Good. A game that I maybe would scream in oh. if it actually was happening, Segway, <laughs> uh, would be the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. So this is the this is the funny thing is that this is now the running joke is yeah. that this game is like the worst kept secret. Uh, so Gamatsu has a story out of Korea that the Game Rating and Administration Committee has rated the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. But of course, it's all in Korean. So if you know how to read Korean, um, you could maybe give us some more details. But this is just yet another potential confirmation that maybe <laughs> this thing actually exists. Who could say? We're committed now. We have to talk about it every time it makes the news. We just have to. So this is the latest tidbit. And... You know, and seven days coming up. But if you're going to believe all the rumors of this yet an unannounced game, it got pushed to 2021. Sad. Were you ever a Mass Effect fan, Chelsea? Did you play the Mass Effect series? Uh, I did uh, just a little bit. And I actually, um, I interviewed at Bioware once when oh. they were just making oh, the transition. Made a trip to Edmonton. Yeah. Ooh. I wonder if that's when Steimer was working with Bioware. Hmm. This was, yeah, was a... I don't know. This was like 2007. It's been a, it's been a oh. minute. Just a, it's been just a minute. I think Simon yeah. was there a lot. Yeah, I was there a little bit later. But that's a little so bit, cool. they a little were, bit later. They were just, like just a couple years though, right? going into EA then. Mm. Oh, man. Memories. 
Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed, everybody. Don't worry. We'll keep you up to date if that thing actually does become real at some point. Um, but that is going to bring us to the end of our news for this week's episode of What's Good Games Live. Now we're going to transition to Dear WGG and chat with a little bit um, or chat a little bit more with Chelsea about her role at Iron Galaxy. Um, so we've got a couple of questions that we're going to get to in just a second. But I wanted to take this opportunity to talk to you a little bit more about who Iron Galaxy is as a studio. We obviously talked a little bit about a couple of the games that you guys have worked on. One of the more recent big projects that you guys worked on was the Switch port for Overwatch, of course, from Blizzard Entertainment. But you guys do a bunch of different things. In addition to working on ports for other developers and publishers, you guys also have original IP. What would you kind of sum up who Iron Galaxy is as a studio? So we are an independent developer, and we work with basically almost everyone in the industry. We've partnered at this point with almost everyone in the industry to help them bring their games to market, whether that's through ports or remasters or helping code of a project. That's part of what the business that we do, as well as doing some of our own IP, like Dive Kick and working on Recketeer. Um, and then we have um, some other things that we're always cooking on in the background as far as our own IP. So our main goal is to diversify our portfolio and to work on just all kinds of things all the time. And I had never been at a studio like that before I came to Iron Galaxy. It was always like the one AAA project and let's go. And so at Iron Galaxy, I think even when we were 13 people, when I first started, we still had three projects going. And now we have anywhere from like eight to 15 projects at any time of different sizes. But I love that. I love it because we get to learn we get to work with just these really amazing partners and learn from them, learn how they develop, learn what their processes are, um, learn, you know, all kinds. Uh, yeah, we're just we're constantly learning. So that's what keeps me excited every day. Do you have any favorite projects? Obviously, you know, your games are like your children, but any particular games that you guys have worked on that you were like, that was actually like a really cool thing that, that we did that you have memories of? Yeah, you know, what? one of the first, I would say, bigger engagements that we had when I first came on was doing the Street Fighter Three Online Edition. And so I just have great memories of that because... I was really embedded in the team and I actually even helped do a little coding and I created some DLC that everyone hated. That was some special colorways. <laughs> oh no. Um, I think it was Why? voted like most hate hated. It? it was non-canonical. Oh my. Oh, <laughs> um, well. I think was maybe one of the problems. And we had done, I mean, with all respect to the franchise, we had done a lot of effort in making sure that we really adhered to the original vision of the game. Right. We added achievements and things that were new, daily challenges. And that was actually kind of new back then. Um, but yeah, my my like pink geese and things were not as well received. Um, but what was also really fun was we just always played in the office. We had an arcade cabinet. And so we constantly had a leaderboard going and everyone played. And so that was just that was just a super fun a super fun time. Um, and then I love Dive Kick too, um, because it was the first game that was ours completely. And we again had to learn so much. We had to publish the game on our own. We had to learn how to go market the game. We had to learn how to, um, 
you know, stream the game and get people excited about it, as well as develop the game and make sure that we were doing that. Um, so I would say those two really stick out for me because they were just brand new types of experiences for me. Where can I get Dive Kick? I think I'm kind of sold on it. It's 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 still available. It's available on Steam. It should be on PlayStation. You should be able to get it as well. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna try to pull up. I'm gonna try to pull there. up a dive kick trailer because I want I, I want other this. people to be able to experience this as well. So give me just one second to get so dive kick going. Th- so if I remember, this is the fighting game. All you can do is you can just jump and kick or dive and kick. That's dive it. and kick. Yes, dive and, Okay, yes. here, here we, go. we go. Here we go. We've learned. Oh we've learned my a little god. Bit. Yeah, since then, but it was just so fun. <laughs> This is my kind of fighting game, like for real. I'm just a button masher, but even for this, I wouldn't have to resort to button mashing. I can handle two buttons. Yeah, but you do you do still learn all of the basics, right? Like you learn the timing, you learn the footsies. (laughs) You have to (laughs) So it really just kind of distills a fighting game down to its basics, right? And so then doing dive kick really, I think, kind of segued into us getting Killer Instinct and being able to work on that franchise and take it over from Double Helix and work on seasons two and three. And that was a really awesome experience, too, because it was the biggest creative project at that time that we had worked on. So all of these kind of I think it's the stepping stone games are really exciting for me because it it just all just builds the credibility and builds the rapport. And um, yeah, that's just fun. I think that that's really cool that you guys have such a diverse set of games that you've worked on as a studio. And if you guys want to learn about all of the games that Iron Galaxy has worked on, not only individual IP from their studio, but also all of the ports, you know, of course, see that full list of the Iron Galaxy website. I did drop the irongalaxystudios.com slash careers link because I saw some people asking about the hiring that you guys are doing. Um, they do have a second office in Orlando. So the Chicago office was the first, right? Yeah, that's correct. The original office was in Dave Lang's basement. Uh, he, <laughs> nice. he started it down there. Uh, and um, pretty soon, about maybe it was about eight months into it, he started asking some people that he'd worked with before, like, hey, I think this business is kind of going somewhere. Do you want to come over? Um, mostly from Midway. Midway was kind of not having their best time at that point in history. And so Dave was able to convince some of the people he'd worked with at Midway to come over. And then when I started, um, I was, well, I was the second non-programmer. We just hired an artist about a month before I started. And then I was the group of the first people Dave had never met before. So these were just regular interviews. We hadn't worked together. Um, and then here, there, there I came over. I'd just been laid off from another studio in Chicago. So we had the um, Chicago studio. We've now done, gosh, how many moves? One, two, three, f- five moves in Chicago, I think. I'm hoping I'm counting that right. Um, and then Orlando, we opened six or seven years ago. And um, we've done a couple moves down there as well. But Obviously, during COVID times, we're all remote. We've all been remote since March, and we're actually going to be pretty much fully remote until um, the middle of next year, just about, we've we've decided, um, just to make sure that we're keeping everyone as safe as we possibly can for our staff and listening to their concerns. 
It's got to be such a bummer because you guys just moved into this beautiful space that I had the opportunity to see last summer in Chicago and, you know, having to now adjust to working remotely. I can't even imagine the stresses. So I would love to kind of hear from you as somebody who's been with the team for so long. Like, what are some of the challenges that you guys have faced in trying to adapt to this new normal that we're in? Yeah, I haven't even seen the brand new Chicago office since it was studs because we moved. We were on we were on the 10th floor there and we moved floors. So that's pretty exciting. We did some virtual tours. But I think with the two offices, we already had some practices in place for, you know, we, we had we had instant messenger that we were using. We were used to doing meetings across the studios because we really do co-develop almost everything. If we have a really small team, like maybe three people on something, we try to co-locate them. But otherwise, we're always working together, Chicago and Florida. And but I but what I did realize with then going home, one you really have to get on your game with logistics because now you're shipping things to 170 places and you got to make sure everyone's, you know, what happens if something goes wrong with the dev kit? Well, you've got to troubleshoot that remotely now. You've got to ship that back. You've got to have a lot more logistics than you ever did before. And I think I had to admit to myself that while I thought we had been doing a really good job integrating the two studios and really fostering an Iron Galaxy culture with Chicago and Orlando, there was just a lot more that we could be doing. So we started off by just taking a lot of the in-person stuff online, like these morning questions of the day where we would have them on whiteboards in the kitchen in each office. Now we just share them online. Um, and pretty much the chat goes all day long and you don't just have to fill up the whiteboard and then not have any more space on there. Um, and we've done more virtual happy hours. We've been doing um, virtual uh, learnings. We've been doing, I do this fun lunch. So every week I get together a random group of people from the studio, about five of us. So it's small and we can still talk. And I have pizza sent to their house and then we all just get together and chat. But yeah, it's just it's just really being aware that you need to build more channels for people to connect remotely. And you need to really also make sure that you're onboarding people. You're not just thinking about who's already there, but you're making sure that all of these people that you're onboarding also feel like they're part of the team, not just their individual team, but the Iron Galaxy team. Have you found that anything's worked easier or better while working remotely? You know, I I think um being able so before all of this, the three of us, Dave, Adam and I traveled all the time. Which I like traveling, don't get me wrong, but sometimes it was a little bit hard to connect. We're traveling to all these different places, we have different agendas, even if we are together, we may be having you know, different, different priorities wherever we are. So we see each other at a dinner or something. But now, since we're, we're at home, now we do get to talk to each other a lot more, which that is a great unintended consequence. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Dave was even saying a couple times ago, and I think I saw you at a, uh, Andrea at a PAX, he was like, I didn't even know you were going to be out here. I didn't even know you were going to be in Seattle. And that just kind of showed us like, oh my gosh, we got to, we got to coordinate this. We got to, wow. we got to be syncing all the time, you know? 
I'm surprised you guys just don't have like a, a long running like text thread where you're just constantly getting memes from Dave and you're like, oh, I'm working. Leave we, do. we do. We um, do. We definitely do. But, you know, that's when, yeah, you've got to turn it off. I'm like, oh, gosh. I, I yeah. I, Dave hasn't been. He was like, you know, pretty active on Twitter for a while. And I was like, I don't know if I need to. That was how I kind of kept track of him, though. Every time he'd go somewhere like, what's good, Austin? I'm like, OK. <laughs> now I know he's in Austin. We always threatened we would get like a low jack and just put it in his pockets and just <laughs> so we Dave Tracker. Sneak a Dave sneak Tracker. a tile Tracker. Like one of those little tiles yes. like in his in his luggage or something. I think we need the stickers. Just the tile stickers. Just stick them to everything he owns. Don't we're, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell him. It might it might be happening right now. Ooh. I like it. I'm glad that you brought up um, dev kits. It was, it, it was interesting because we actually got a question in the chat from Epiphany Phoenix who asked, what does Chelsea think about the next-gen console dev kits? Has she had an opportunity to work with them yet? So clearly you guys have, right? We have. We are always, I feel super lucky that it, with every generation, we've been able to get ahead and work on the the, the new dev kits. Um the last time around, it was pretty exciting because not only did we, we had to have a separate room, right? A separate locked secure room for the dev kits, as well as like a little cardboard box that went over the dev kit so that even people who are in that room, like you couldn't see what it looked like. Um, so I think things are not things are still, you know, really secure, but it's not quite that hyper, hyper security that there was in this last gen. So um, yeah, I just, I'm just super excited to be able to get our hands on all of, all of the, all the consoles and, and just get ahead of the game there. Yeah, well, we're definitely excited to see what you guys are are working on your top secret projects. Um, we do have another question yeah. that was at westgoodgamescom slash DearWGG. Andrew writes in and says, hey, ladies, what do you think of the fact that there are some devs that have yet to make a game with a female lead? When it comes to games that have a choice of which gender to play, that the male counterpart gets more of the advertising. What can we as consumers do to change this mentality? Because for me, having a daughter who I got into gaming would like to see by the time she gets older and can play more mature games, would love to have her have many choices in games with female leads. Thanks for all that you do. So as a head of a studio, is there stuff that you guys have or conversations that you have about the role that gender plays in protagonists in your games? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think it all starts with having more diverse people on your teams and not just having them there, but actually listening to the opinions and perspectives and really fostering that and having people who can lead meetings to make sure that all those perspectives are heard. Uh, we have a DNI committee as well. And so for any of our own IP that we are, um, we're working on, we get their opinions on things. We get their opinions on on art style, on dialogue, on the game in general to see how they're feeling and if they can flag anything um, and, and get their perspective. So I think that's what is really important is you, you just have to have diverse teams and actually make sure that you're lifting those voices up because then it just becomes normal that we're not talking about what gender the protagonist is anymore. It's just a protagonist, right? And that's that's where I want to be. 
and as consumers, which is what Andrew asks, what advice would you give to him? You know, if he wants to, to try to support more female leads, is it as simple as just purchasing the games that have female leads? Is it as simple as getting on Twitter and tweeting out to the big wigs and be like, hey, more sure. women, please? I think it's I think it's both. I yes, I think definitely buy games that have female protagonists if that's something you're interested in seeing. I mean, just like cinema, right? They made um, bridesmaids thinking. Well, people won't really watch an all-female comedy, raunchy comedy like this. And then when they did and it blew up, then they're they're willing to spend more money and take more chances on those type of type of movies and that type of content. So it's the same in games. If uh, if that game sells, <laughs> then they're going to be willing to put some more money into games that have similar characters that take similar chances. Somebody's got to do it first and really kind of push push for it and push those initiatives, right? But it, when the consumers show that they are embracing it, that makes a difference. And that keeps the money coming for products like that. So yes, please support the games that you want to see more of out there. I mean, that's definitely the best advice. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes when we look at content creation, whether it's making a video game or doing what we do here, making videos on a podcast, we sometimes run into these walls where we're struggling to grow because there's so much competition in this space. And just being supportive financially isn't always enough, which is why I think it speaks to the earlier point you made, Chelsea, about leading by example and saying we need to put more of these voices in these roles because diversity doesn't just happen. You, know, you have to actively seek those voices and make sure that as you said, that they're uplifted and that you listen to them. You can't just hire a bunch of diverse voices, but then not give them any power. It's, it's like, cool, you just, you know, you checked a box and then you didn't listen to what they had to say. And I think we've seen a couple other major publishers kind of stumble off this in the last couple of years saying, well, look, we have all these people on our team. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't put them into leadership roles. And I think it's great that you guys at Iron Galaxy are looking at that. Is there some initiatives that you guys are working on specifically in regards to diversity and inclusion at, at the studio? Yeah, um, we started the DNI group earlier. It was either earlier this year or late last year. I honestly can't remember with how time is now. Mm -hmm. um, but we really do want to make sure that we are supporting. Um, supporting having all different kind of perspectives that are heard, that people can be, I know it's become kind of cliche, but can be their authentic selves, that they're not afraid to talk about their experience. Um, and that when we see that maybe someone isn't getting the chance to talk about their experience, that someone helps them do that, that someone is uh, has the capacity to say, hey, it looks like you were trying to say something about this topic could you know what what was it that you had to say because I think we've all been in meetings where you know if you're not the most outgoing person or people have different expectations you don't necessarily get your voice heard and so it really there's some onus on the person who is facilitating the meeting to help get those voices heard we're also working really hard with recruiting to try to keep finding ways to attract more and more diverse candidates. So we've tried 
job boards that um, that cater to specific groups. We're working on working with different colleges that have different um, pools of diversity. I'm doing a lot of this speaking now, hopefully, to help people understand that there are women in leadership at Iron Galaxy. We do have people, um, uh, lots of different backgrounds. And so you don't have to be the first one here. We're here. And we just want to have more and more voices. Um, yeah. So, but it, you're right. It's never, it's, you're never done doing the work. You're never done doing the work. And if you think you're done, you're wrong. You have to keep reevaluating. We're going to bring um, also a, a, a DNI coordinator on at the beginning of next year to really help us channel our energies as well. Um, we've been kind of rebuilding our HR department or fleshing out our, our HR department. And that's one of the areas that we, we will really want to focus on. Hmm. I think that that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Like snaps, snaps to you, Chelsea. You. In, in, I was, was going to start the preach wave. Galaxy. <laughs> Let's go. Um, well, we're getting to the end of our time. So, Britt, do you have any final questions for Chelsea? Not so much questions. It's kind of like whenever we have these awesome kick-ass women on the show, Andrea does the interview, and I just kind of stand back and I gawk, and I'm like, you're such a fucking badass. I think about when Jennifer Hale was on here last, I was like, just preach the good word. Now, for you, Chelsea, I'm just like, preach the good word, baby. Just really do appreciate all that you're doing, because it's, I think it's rare that, you know, we get to talk to female CEOs in this industry, and the fact that you're here and you're so, so striving for what I think we all know the industry needs, it's just very well appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. We love Chelsea. And if you guys want to hear more from Chelsea, you can follow her on the internet. Chelsea, where can people find out about what you're up to and what Iron Galaxy is up you to? You can find me on Twitter at Jesus Hot Wheels. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And you can follow Iron Galaxy now at Iron Galaxy. That's new. I'm putting your your Twitter in the chat. Please um, do. I'm so glad that you guys changed that because the the old Twitter handle was confusing. And then I went to go re-tag you this morning. And then I was like, did they, did yeah. they actually change it to Iron Galaxy? This is great. We did. We updated. <laughs> we are, yeah. Continuous improvement is one of our values. Let's go. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Again, we will put the links that Chelsea mentioned in the show notes for you guys if you want to check out not only her social media, but also check out the Iron Galaxy website. I know a couple of you in the chat had mentioned it, being interested in looking at what job openings there are because they do have two studios. And I think that's going to do it for our show for today. We will be back later tonight for Lights Off and, of course, for episode 200 later in the week. But, Chelsea, thank you so much again. And I hope that you... Uh, enjoy the rest of your day thank you bye everybody bye be well <laughs>